0: Okay, so we're in a series of Acts, I'm not going to talk about the building, uh, I might mention it, I don't know, uh, we're not going to talk about the building, we're in a series of Acts, and uh, we're looking at Acts part one, and we're in this idea of two temples, and we're looking at uh, the, the day of Pentecost, um, so it might be familiar stuff to some of you, um, and it, but it may not be to others, let me just read, I'm not going to read, I mean the chapter is loaded with stuff, I mean there's lots going on. Uh, And so I'm not going to read and preach from the whole chapter 2, just the first bit. So let's let's read. Uh, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound, like the blowing of a violent wind, came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be uh, tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that each of us hears them in our native language? And this is where the challenge comes. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia... Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism. Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked each other, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them said, they've had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven and raised his voice and addressed the crowd, Fellow Jews and all of you that live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you carefully. Uh, let me explain this to you, listen carefully to what I say. And there's a long sermon, so I'm going to explain uh, what, what, what I feel is go- going on here. Uh, but let me just give you a kind of concept. Uh, my son's here this morning, I like to give him a name check when he's here. Uh, and he did history and I remember he had to go for an interview uh, uh, and he did uh, one of his, He took an idea from history called continuity and change. Do you remember that? He did it on castles. He did it on castles. But actually, as I've been very aware this week um, of, you know, the sad events around the queen's death and and the new king, I've been aware of, you know, the the, the very phrase "the queen is dead, long live the king." Speaks of of continuity, doesn't it? It speaks of the continuity of the monarchy. It speaks of the stability of, 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 of the head of state in our nation. It, it speaks of it speaks of continuity. But it also speaks of massive change. Um, you know, we're going to see our stamps change, our post boxes, our, our currency. If you ever use currency, who uses currency, who uses stamps, who uses postboxes, I don't know. But anyway, those things might change. We're going to notice uh, those things. Um, I think somebody described it to... Uh, to me, I think my, my son, son-in-law described it to me, as like, it's almost as like we've had a great oak that we've walked past every day, and it's this majestic oak, and then we come one day and find that it's gone. And, and there's a kind of emotional moment in that moment about the change that we've experienced. And so this idea of continuity and change is actually a historical concept, but it's also one that, that works through uh, the Bible, things uh, in, uh, that continue and things that are changed. Uh, if you remember where we were, uh, the disciples had asked, um, asked uh, Jesus, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? It, and in, well, there's, it's, it's, there's a process. They had an expectation of what God was going to do. They had an expectation uh, that God was going to create Israel as the chief among the nations, that it was going to be that the Messiah, the king, the son of David was going to come and sit on the throne and rule uh, the nations. There was going to be this expectation that God was going to come by his spirit and pour out his spirit on all flesh. And there was going to be a transformation that this broken world of sin and death was going to be transformed by uh, a new age, uh, uh, the age to come. And so they're asked this question, "Is is now the time? And anyone says there's a continuity about that. You know, we've been building up to this through our history, we've been building up to this. Is this now the moment? And Jesus' answer, if you remember, from a couple of weeks ago, he says, you receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria to the ends of the earth. And there'd been this, so many things that had kind of marked what is going to be this new age. But one of the things that that, was, uh, that resonates through the Bible is this idea that, that God was going to put His Spirit in them, God was going to visit them by his Spirit. Uh, if you know the kind of the Bible, um, the, the Holy Spirit did come on on certain people at certain times, it came on it came on kings. Kings were anointed. Watch for that. in you know, six months' time or wherever it is when Charles. Uh, his coronation, there's a wonderful moment where they put a canopy over, which is almost like meant to be the canopy, the presence of God, and under that canopy they, they anoint the king. And, and the queen talked about that as the most significant moment. You know, there's this sense of, of, of anointing, and they pray for the Spirit of God to uh, to come on her. So in Israel, that, that, that comes from Israel's kings. Israel's kings were anointed. Israel's prophets were anointed. Uh, the Spirit pour, uh, came on them to, to speak uh, God's word. Uh, and also, priests were anointed. Uh, each priest was anointed uh, to become, uh, to work in the temple. And there was this idea that, that the Spirit was going to be poured out. And also, that hidden away, there was this sense that the Spirit of God was going to do something new. So it talks in uh, Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah says, I'm going to make a new covenant, I'm going to do something new, I'm going to make a new covenant with you, and I'm going to take out your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And in Ezekiel 11, a verse that I often quote, that I think is in Jesus' mind when he's preaching about the Sermon on the Mount, he says this, I will give them, this is God speaking through Ezekiel, I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit within them. This idea of an undivided heart is like you can't serve two masters, you can't serve God and money, don't be anxious. You know, don't, don't waver between two opinions. No, let, give us an undivided heart, give us a single heart. We want to be that way, just to you, Jesus. Uh, I'll take away their stony, hard hearts and give her a tender, responsive hearts of flesh. And I'll move them to follow my decrees and be careful to follow my laws. And I, they will be my people. And I will be my God. And this kind of sense that they were asking, is this the time, is this the time, is this the time? And so we get to Pentecost, um, uh, the, what, that we read. It said the day of Pentecost came. Uh, Pentecost literally means 50 days. It literally means 50 days. 50 days after Passover, that's when they used to celebrate Pentecost. So Passover, obviously the, re, uh, the remembrance of the kind of salvation through the blood of a lamb to set them free from Egypt. And 50 days after that they would celebrate Passover. Uh, sorry, Pentecost. Um, Obviously, we re- we remember fifty days after Easter, after the death of G- death and resurrection, the spotless Lamb of Jesus at, uh, at Easter, that we would uh, we'd celebrate Pentecost fifty days later. So forty days has already gone, and then Jesus says, "Wait in Jerusalem till the Holy Spirit comes." So ten days later, boom, they were all together in one place. Suddenly. Uh, A sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they seemed to be what seemed like tongues of fire that separated and came to rest in them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. I mean, there's so many things you could say about this passage, but I think the first thing, perhaps, is to say that actually something comes from heaven. The Spirit comes from heaven there was a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and it's it's interesting as you look at kind of organized religion as it's sense you can you can miss the fact that it's something from heaven you can miss the fact that it's something from heaven. You can feel that that the organised religion is, is is something that goes alongside the army. It goes alongside the legislature. It just it's kind of a, a human institution that's, that 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 we create. And I just as I'm writing. I wrote this. It's a quote for me. God forbid that Christianity should is some human construct. Some human institution, some human ritual, some powerless ceremonial rubber stamp on our births and marriages and deaths, emptied of its power from heaven, devoid of its saviour from heaven, without the wind, without the spirit, without the breath of heaven. And we need to understand that what we're doing here today is not sort of institutionalised religion. Say yes. Yeah, even it might feel like you go through the motions and you do the kind of things, you just go through it. It kind of feels that like institution. This is not that. This is something from heaven. What God did in those people at that time was something from heaven. It wasn't that they they decided, right, I'm going to search for the hero inside myself, like the culture. They weren't saying, let's have some psychological, emotional experience that that we dig up from our insides, that we dig into our self-esteem and decide to be happy and saying God's going to do it. No, it wasn't that. It wasn't something that came from within even though our culture tells us even though our culture tells us that actually that's what it's like you can you can be who you want to be you can you can become anyone you want to be you just need to believe in yourself it's not that these 120 people in the upper room didn't just sit down and have this kind of psychological moment where they said, right, come on, let's change the world. Wouldn't that be really, really good? Wouldn't that be really great? And we can't do that either. We can't decide, right, okay, we're just going to be this church. We're just going to be amazing. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. We're going to kind of strategize and plan and we have got to give our money and we're going to buy a building, all of the things that work. But the reality is if God doesn't come from heaven, it's a waste of time. Thank you for those amens. It's a wind from heaven. Second thing is this massive continuity about the symbols of wind and fire. Wind and fire. Let me just read you some things and then I'm going to ask you a question and say, what's the continuity? And you probably think, I've played this before, but anyway, bear with me, humour me. First bit of fire, I mean, first bit of fire, we've got the burning bush. Moses at the burning bush. Now Moses came to Horeb, Horeb and Sinai, the same place. The bush actually is called the Sinai bush. Okay, so it's the bush, the Sinai bush that's on fire, which is why it becomes Sinai. Uh, 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 Moses came to Horeb, Sinai, the mountain of God, and there the angel of the Lord, I I think that's Jesus, basically. You know, you can debate with me. Is that some other person? (laughs) Because he speaks as if God is... Jesus appears to him in the flames of, of fire from within the bush. And Moses saw that the bush was on fire and it did not burn up. Oh, I, don't, I could preach a whole sermon on this. But actually what is amazing, it says, I've heard your cries in Egypt and I've come down. I've come down. That's, that's the incarnation. That's the gospel story. I've heard what a broken world this is and i am come down. You know, that's the Christmas story. That's the, the, so Jesus, So we get fire, God is present. Later on, Moses, uh, after, he, uh, after the, the, the Israelites are out of Egypt, he comes again to Mount Sinai. Exodus 19, verse 16. On the morning of the third day, we could talk about the third day, couldn't we? Uh, but never mind. The thunder roared and lightning flashed, and a dense cloud came down from heaven. What does that sound like? Thunder, lightning, cloud. Sounds like a, a windy storm, doesn't it? It sounds like a hurricane, a windy storm. Okay. And all of Mount Sinai was covered with this smoke because the Lord had descended on it, say it, in the fire. In the fire. Oh, fire. Later on, Moses receives instructions to build this tent. This tent where God would dwell by his presence. And here we have it again. Whoa, they're ahead of me. Never mind, it's okay. Um, Exodus 40 verse uh, 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 verse 34. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Tabernacle literally means God with us. So the cloud was over the tabernacle that my day, day and fire was in the cloud at night. One more. See if we can then, I'm going to get you to turn to each other and say, what does this mean? Which is what the people asked, actually. So then, 2 Chronicles 7, verse 1. When Solomon finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offerings and the sacrifice and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. The priests could not enter the temple of the Lord because of the glory that filled it. Sinai, wind and fire, giving the law. Tabernacle, God's tent, fire, clouds. The temple of God, dedicated, clouds and fire. Right, if you're sitting near someone, what does this mean? Don't jump ahead with that slide there, Rico. Mm -hmm. What does this mean? Turn to the person next to you and say, well, what does that mean that fire and cloud and wind comes down on the upper room. Turn to the person next to you say, if you say, I don't know what it means, obviously I'm going to tell you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we're drawing some conclusions. Does anyone want to be brave and say, what's going on here? We've got some continuity. Rico wants to play, but you're on the slide, Rico, so sit back. (laughs) Anyone want to play? Anybody want to play? Anthony, you want to play? Yes. Yeah, so it's basically um, the temple now becomes living stone. it's people. Okay. It? Yes. Amen. Yeah. So you see the thing? God's present with them. The law sets the nation. Tabernacle. God says, "This is where I'm going to be. I'm going to meet with you in this tent." Temple, cloud, fire. We've missed a step, though. We've missed a step. No, that's not your fault. We've missed a step. Who else is full of the Holy Spirit and the Spirit rests on him? Easy answer. Jesus. Thank you. Jesus, the Spirit falls on Jesus and, and there's not a wind and there's not a fire, but actually he's on the mountain there's glory. And there's, in the baptism, there's, the Spirit falls on Jesus and it's sort of Jesus probably taught them in that seminar. After his resurrection, he probably said, I am the new temple. Where God dwells by His Spirit. How do we know that? Because actually, in oh, I might be ahead of it. No, no. In um, Jesus is looking at the temple in Jerusalem. The Temple in Jerusalem was like a it was like a two point two version. So two point one was the Solomon version. Two point two was built by Ezra and Nehemiah. Um, the glory of God didn't fall on that version, interestingly. And there's kind of this angst, when's, when's, when's God's presence amongst it? And then Herod built a 2.2 version that took like 45 years to build, so upgraded it. Still no presence of God. Ezekiel had seen a, a picture of the, the glory in the presence leaving the temple, and there's this kind of ache within, and when's God's presence and glory going to come? Jesus is walking past the temple and says, see these stones, not one stone's going to rest on another one. Says, destroy this temple and build it in three days. And say, look, it's forty-five years to to, to knock it, to build it. it says, what? and then John says, can anyone remember? He says he's talking. Oh, is it there? Ah, yeah. oh, flip. The the temple he'd spoken about was his body. Jesus is the temple where God dwells by His Spirit. Jesus is the one that, that, that suddenly becomes the Israel, the people of God. It's it suddenly no longer a building but Him. And then, you're right, Anthony, what happens is the Spirit of God comes on Jesus' followers. This little messianic sect of 120 people, the Spirit of God falls on them. Wind and fire, the symbolism is clear that God's here. Now, let me just say, that doesn't mean if you get filled with the Holy Spirit, if you don't have fire, it's not the genuine thing, okay? Or if you don't have, uh, I need to say this carefully, if there's not a blowing wind, I was going to say if you have wind, but that wouldn't work. (laughs) If there's not a blowing wind, it doesn't mean it's not a genuine thing. This is a kind of unique signpost For those people then to say, look, there's continuity here. This people is the new temple of God. Jesus' followers are the new temple of God. And that changes everything, doesn't it? I mean, me and Nays went to Jerusalem. Uh, I'll keep telling you that for the next five years and you'll be bored to tears of it. Hey, we went to Jerusalem. There's no temple there. Uh, there's just a, 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 an Arab mosque uh, there. But, but it used to be that that was the place. People went to the place. They went to the place that they'd bring their sacrifices and, they, and, and they'd lay on the altar and they were allowed in. The Gentiles obviously weren't allowed in. If you weren't a Jew, you weren't allowed in. And and you know, and they could only go in once a year into the presence of God, only then having the blood of a sacrifice. And like they were scared that, they, that if they went too close to God, God you know, God would kill them. they have to have a rope on their ankle, so if they did kill them, the other person didn't have to go in and get killed. They'd just pull them all out. I don't know if it ever happens. I think two priests did die. Um, but, yeah, there was this kind of sense that God was far away and inaccessible, and, and then suddenly everything's changed. Uh, Anthony quoted it, didn't he? It says, And you also... Peter says, Peter, who's Peter? He's the guy that that was in the room that day. The the Spirit of God comes and says, You also, like living stones, are being built into a temple of the Spirit to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices to God through Jesus Christ. Or Paul says in Ephesians, Paul, by the way, is actually killing people for saying this, that that Jesus' followers have become the new temple. He's actually killing people, and we'll get to his story later on in Acts. He's killing people and saying, This is outrageous. This is ridiculous. No, no, no. There's no way that this group of people are suddenly the new temple. That's, that's heresy. That's ridiculous. No, no, no. You know, we, we, That's where we go. We go for, there for the sacrifices. We go there for the presence of God. And suddenly they say, no, that's not the place. The stones now are living stones. There's, there's the, 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 actually, it's not that the, spiritual, the temple becomes spiritual. The temple becomes us. Becomes you and I connected together. I don't know if you've ever built a wall. Tom's probably where's Tom? He's out. Actually, uh, Where's Tom out? He's gone to the toilet. <laughs> just the moment I need to turn to my. Are you are you lay bricks, Elliot? Yeah. yeah and you, presumably you interlock them, don't you? And you kind of cement them together, and you lay them together. They don't just you don't just stack them. Yeah. You know, you interlock them and 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 kind of knit them together. And there's a sense where God is saying that this temple, this Relation this community is a community of interconnected people knitted together, knitted together as, as, as living stones where, where God dwells by his spirit. And Paul says the same. He says, with Jesus Christ as the chief stone, cornerstone, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And you've been built together to become a house in which God dwells by his spirit. Or uh, 1 Corinthians 3.16. Don't you know that yourselves are God's temple? and that God's spirit dwells in your midst. God's temple is sacred, and you together are that temple. Tom, I just caught you, actually. I was asking asked you a big bricklayer's question, and you snuck out. <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> <laughs> no, that wasn't the answer. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, we, we don't really get the significance of this. You don't get the <coughs> significance of this. That, that God's people... Us, a God's temple where God dwells. People travelled in their millions, they travelled hundreds and thousands of miles. People in, 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 in Jerusalem that day had travelled, Jews from all over the world had come to this place, to be at that place, this special place. And I think it's incredibly moving that you know people are queuing for hours and hours and hours to to go past the coffin, aren't they? You know, and, I, and, I, and I understand that. You know, a friend of mine even uh, you know, queued overnight to, to go past the coffin. There's a sense that I want to be at the special place. And that's how we, we kind of done our, our, our religion, aren't we? We've done special places. I remember one time, uh, uh, this is not a dig at it, I remember one time we were on holiday in the Pyrenees, and um, we went to a place called Lourdes, not Lourdes Cricket Ground, but Lourdes, and it's kind of this place where, where the, the Virgin Mary is meant to have appeared in a cave. And you go there, and there were there in hundreds and thousands of people in wheelchairs and, and people who sit going there to this place to get healed. And we have that. People go to St Peter's. Who's been to St Peter's in Rome? You know, you go there, you think it's a magnificent building. And although these buildings are really, really important... We don't kind of, our mind hasn't changed, hasn't kind of flipped that actually the church is never a building. The church is just, is the people of God. You, little church, little God first church, are as significant as the temple in Jerusalem. Yeah? Your kind of sense of God is here should be the, signif- the most significant thing. You know, we can, I can get into, are we just attending church? But actually, no. We want to be, and we need to understand we're the people where God dwells by Spirit. Thank you, Steve. There's something hugely significant about this. You know, there's a you can go to Mecca, can't you? There's a box that you can go around, and you know, that's the place you've got to be. God's saying, No, I'm gonna I'm gonna fill each of you. And i going to pour my spirit on each of you and fill each of you. Yeah. There's no, Gordon Fee, in, in his book, God's empowering, empowering Presence, says this, there's no more important word in all the New Testament as to the nature of the church than this one. The local church is God's temple in the community where it's placed. And it is so by the presence of the spirit of alone by whom God has revisited his people. So that we should feel this kind of sense of, Lord, we don't ever want to go through the motions. This isn't about saying, are we a Pentecostal church? Are we a charismatic church? You know, do you want the sense of the Spirit? No, the coming of the Holy Spirit is what makes us, us. Nothing. Nothing. You know, not being a Baptist or an Anglican or New Frontiers. It's the presence of God's Spirit that makes us, us. And, and we can forget that, that God's presence is suddenly near and accessible. Where well, you had to go into this holy, holy place and you had to go through a priest with a ritual and a sacrifice. What well, suddenly, the, 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 the truth of it is saying, no, God's God's here. God's here. And we can sit here and you can think, you can switch the switch and say, Well, it doesn't feel like it. But we need to understand it is it's actually true. It's true. I'll say it again, it's true. It's true. It's not just true if you have like a great light show and you've got a thousand young people, at, you know, six thousand young people at New Day, or you know, ten thousand at New Wine, or it's this amazing church day out and Matt Redmond's leading worship. Mm-hmm. Then it's true. I mean, it feels more true then, doesn't it? And that's no dig at Andy and the band or whatever. Doesn't it feel more true then? Thank you for nodding, some of you. But it's true now. It's true now. It's true that we are the people of God. God is near. God's accessible. The word that, that theologians use about God is that he's transcendent. That means he's far away. And he's imminent. That means he's close. He is close. Is that, have you got that up there? Transcendent. God's presence is near and accessible. The gathered church is the place of God's personal presence. I think somebody prayed it when we pray before the meeting it says in Matthew Jesus says for where two or three are gathered in my name there I am amongst you Is Jesus lying Is he saying well, well actually when there's 3000 gathered then he's there when the vibe feels like Coldplay in the worship band then he's there No he's saying when two or three gather and that is absolutely revolutionary. That is absolutely revolutionary that God would meet with his people, not in a building. Paul says in Athens, he says, God's the God who made heaven and earth is not a God who dwells in buildings made by human hands as if he needs anything. But they he says, but yet in him we live and breathe and have our being. The writer to the Hebrews. I'm nearly finishing. The writer to the Hebrews says, "Brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened up for us, that is the curtain, that is His body. You no, know, there's a ripped curtain. Is His body. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with assurance, full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled and cleansed from a guilty conscience, having our bodies washed, baptized with pure water. We can draw near." Just close your eyes now. Close your eyes. We've said it a lot, and it's not my phrase, but one of a preacher in in the states, John Mark Carney, he starts his prayer time by saying, "Jesus, you're here. Now I'm here. We've been gone. We've been busy." We've had divided hearts, we've been looking at, uh, chasing around at other things. But we come here. Writer of the Hebrew says that, you know, you haven't come to a mountain blazing with fire like Mount Sinai that cannot be touched, that you can't approach, but you've come to the church of the firstborn, a church of God, and, and Jesus is here we think, Lord, we'd love it if you poured out your Spirit in such a powerful way. We'd love the wind and the fire, but Lord, let that truth settle in us. And the key thing is, just a couple more things, is they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. You open your eyes now. They're all filled with the Holy Spirit. It wasn't just a few. It wasn't just like, oh, that person's very prophetic or that person's a leader, or that person's really important. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't just the special ones. It wasn't just the king or the queen. It was all, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. I mean, do pray, won't you? Uh, Just side by, do pray for for tomorrow. There'll be about four billion people maybe watching. The guy giving the sermon, he's a Jesus follower. He's also called the Archbishop of Canterbury. But I heard him do the little moment where they brought the coffin into Westminster Hall. He was terrific. And, and Lord, I pray for the truth of the gospel to go out tomorrow through Justin Welby. Lord, I pray, bless his preparation. Give him confidence. Lord Jesus, to, to speak truth, to, to be in that sense your anointed one, But we're all it. We're not being asked to do the sermon tomorrow, thank goodness me. We're not being asked to do the sermon tomorrow, but we're all, they were all filled. There's no celebrity Christians, no special Christians. You're all filled. It's not like, oh, I'm one of those filled ones and you're not one of those filled ones. We're all filled. We're all filled. That's how you, it says no one can become a Christian unless the the Spirit of God comes on. them. But Paul says, keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit, keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. We all need to be filled. Let me just say this then, to finish. Well, I keep saying that, and I've got a couple more. No, um, another continuity. It's interesting. There's this big long list of people from every nation, and one of the continuities is to bless the nations. That actually, why does why does Luke give us a big long list of who's there? But I won't read it again, but it's Acts five. It gives us that list of you know of where they're from, and basically it's for him, for Luke. That's the whole world. They're from the whole world. If you map that out, they're from the whole known world. They're from all the world, and it says they were Jews in in God fearing Jews from every nation under heaven, and they're all brought together, and they're all brought together. Now it's interesting; they were all Jews. God's going to do another step as we go forward to actually make it so it's not just Jews. But actually there's a continuity because right at the beginning of the Bible that God wasn't meant to just say I'm just going to give I'm just going to do this thing and keep it to myself. I'm, I'm just not going to create Adam and Eve and put them in a nice garden and they're just going to have nice far nice fun they have bifold doors and they're kind of nice patio and they're going to have nice fruit and they're just going to hang and maybe have a hot tub that'd be a nice one and these are all just my dreams. It's nothing to do with digging at you guys. And you think, wouldn't it be lovely? And then Adam and Adam and Eve could just hang around and just love and be in the garden. Isn't it lovely? And then outside the garden, it's chaos and mess. And God says to them, "God bless them. Great. We want to be blessed. Say, I want, be blessed. I want to be blessed." And God said to them, "Be fruitful and increase and fill the earth." Oh, what? You've got to go out. We've got to out from this comfy place and fill the earth. That was the kind of plan right at the beginning. That was the plan right at the beginning. It's, oh, actually, I've got the wrong header here. Go up. It's Genesis 11. It's not one. Can you put it up? Next one. It's, a, it's not one, it's 11. Genesis 11, and the angel of the Lord, there he is again, came to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declared the Lord, because you've done this, this is right after the Isaac moment, that we talked about a couple of weeks ago, uh, you've, done, you've not withheld your son, your only son, surely I will bless you, and surely I will multiply your offspring, that's just Jesus, actually it's singular, I multiply Jesus' offspring as the stars of heaven and the sand on the seashore, and in your offspring shall all nations of the earth be blessed. God said to Abraham, I'm going to bless you so you can be a blessing. But what had happened, and we'll see more of this later in Acts, what had happened is the Jews had thought, no, it's just for us. It's just for us. There's a sign um, that's the only bit of the old temple that remains, which is quite ironic. Um, Just put it up there as a picture. There's a sign of that used to hang in the temple in Jerusalem, basically saying, no foreigners. That's literally what it was there. No foreigners. If you're not a Jew, you can't come in. It's not for you. It said, no Gentile might pass into the temple on pain of death. And they basically said, keep out. This blessing's for us. This blessing's for us. And so what happens is the glory of God leaves that place. And He comes to a new people. But Jesus followers, and says to them, All authority in heaven and earth is given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations. Baptise them in the name of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit and teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you by my spirit to the end of the age. If the church is not about going to the nations, it's not about anything. I need to finish in a minute. The church is not about going to the nations, it's not about anything. If the church is not about sharing the gospel of Jesus with people outside the, the, the church, it's not about anything. You seem like, uh-huh. It's a challenge. That's why we're trying to do rethink. That's why we're trying to press forward. If we're not about being Jesus' witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, to the ends of the earth, what are we about? It says... Wait in Jerusalem for my Spirit, and you will be my witnesses. What happened is suddenly they're here in in Pentecost. They're here. Everybody, sp- they're speaking. Well, let's not talk about what speaking in tongues is. Sometimes it's clearly. In, in Corinthians, it's like the language of, uh, of angels. But in this moment, they're speaking. I don't know what they're speaking, but everybody hearing is hearing the gospel. Everybody's hearing the gospel. They're all hearing about Jesus. And Peter talks about, uh, he talks about the wonders of the gospel, the wonders of Jesus, the wonders... Of, and they're all hearing it. They're all hearing it. And they're saying, what is going on? And these, the, the people saying it are so bold, you know, it's almost like they're drunk. What, uh, if you've not been drunk recently... Basically, what drunk, drunkenness does, it means you lose your inhibitions. They, they're so inhibited, uninhibited, they're so joyful and uninhibited that, that they lose their inhibitions. But you know what drunkenness does? It means you, you, you suppress, it suppresses your inhibitions. That's not what the Spirit does. The Spirit makes you aware of the truth. It doesn't suppress, oh, it suppresses all my bad stuff. Oh, you know, i just got to church to get my bad stuff suppressed. No, the Holy Spirit kindles and makes life and says, why well, isn't Jesus amazing? Isn't the gospel amazing? So it leaks out in, in, in praise and tongues. It meets uh, to your neighbours and people from all over. And it says, why are we here and praying about Jesus? The last thing that I picked out is a thing about Pentecost. A thing about Pentecost. I said it's the uh, 50-day feast. But it's actually, they remembered, they remembered in the 50-day feast at Pentecost, they remembered the giving of the law. They remembered the giving of the law. And basically, they they celebrated the giving of the law but yet they knew that they couldn't fulfill the law, that they couldn't be good enough, that they couldn't try hard enough, that they couldn't keep the law. And then God comes by his spirit at Pentecost and suddenly there's a new way of finding life. John says this in his Gospel, for the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Suddenly, instead of having to keep the law to get to God keep the law and try harder and be better and do this and do this and do this to get to God, suddenly there's just a way. Jesus makes a way. He makes a way through his broken body, through his blood to come to Jesus. Let's finish with this. Therefore, says Peter later on, we read part of his talk, Laura read part of his talk, says, Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God have made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off on all who God will call. Suddenly there's a, a sense where you can come to God and say, God, forgive me. God change me. God knit me in as part of this radical community. For more information, visit our website at Godfirst.org.uk.